0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemski.
2: What's going on, everybody? This is BJN Radio, episode number 307. I'm Jimmy Kemski from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of Bleeding and Nation. It is NFC Championship Game Week. Eagles 49ers coming up on Sunday. We are here to preview that, uh, to get to other news, injury reports, and such. But first, Brandon, how are you?
1: And where can I find the finest meats next in the land? Jimmy, I am juiced up. I'm ready. I'm ready for Sunday. Uh, I'm picking the Eagles to win. Spoiler alert. Sorry to spoil my pick at the top <laughs> of the podcast. But if you listen to the NFC's mixtape this week, which you should, um, good nice little conversation about the Cowboys season ending and previewing Eagles 49ers with um, Rob Stats Carrera, offering the 49ers perspective on things. Uh, RJ asked me, what's my confidence meter at a scale of 1 to 10? And I thought he was going to say ten being the most instead of one, so I said ten before he even finished the question. But then he said that was actually the least, so I kind of got self-owned there. <laughs> um, but I actually meant one. But uh, doing good. But before we get into the show today, Jimmy, it's that higher to- confidence level, huh? Yeah, I mean it's it's a vibe. Like I it's it's I honestly feel how I felt kind of after. Uh I guess trying to remember the exact feeling and when it happened but you know I, I, I felt more confident after the Eagles beat the Falcons in the divisional round mm-hmm. and especially after they won the championship game like I they were going to win the Super Bowl at that point like I literally zero doubt in my mind it was going to happen like mm-hmm. there wasn't even a doubt I think being cocky it was just like I just I genuinely feel this way like that's that's my genuine feeling on it I'm just being honest but um before we get into the meat of today's show let me tell you about some meat snacks From Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You're helping support a local business. You're helping support yourself with some great snack options. Look, the big game is coming up. And, you know, decent chance, if my optimism is any indication, at least, that the Eagles are going to be in it. You're going to want some snacks. RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off Jimmy. I also have a bone to pick with you because, oh, okay, for the second time, you went on another prominent Eagles podcast. Oh. And it's not just about me being <laughs> snubbed here; it's about the listeners, the listeners of this program, <laughs> who you apparently don't care about enough to mention when you go on Birds of Friends and don't mention BGN Radio. And you yeah, go on the special... She'll even
2: said, "Do what you know. Do, do you want to plug anything?" And that was at the end of. The, is that what you're talking? Is that where you're going with this?
1: I mean, it would just be nice if you acknowledge <laughs> that you did a podcast that, you know, the listeners care about so much about. And uh, I don't know. That, that kinda... is a bad job by me, especially since I was on a podcast and anyone
2: listening is a right. fan of listening to podcasts. And also they listen. As, that was at the very end of the podcast. So not only do they listen to podcasts, but they listen through to the entire podcast. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that is. I agree. That's a bad job and by no, me. It's the
1: ringer. Like, you know, it's not necessarily just people who. Mm-hmm. It's easy to assume that everyone listens to every podcast and has an awareness, but you never know. You know, it could be someone out there who doesn't really know and absolutely spread the word, a so. fair gripe and that, that is a bad job by me. You're you're absolutely right.
2: I, I own that one for sure. Well and I was I even kind of like made fun of like the uh the uh idea You did. I was like, all right, yourself. is he gonna
1: do it here? Or is he just gonna <laughs> <laughs> They gave you a golden yeah, it's opportunity? A bad, it's, a, it's
2: really a terrible job. And I, and you've already scolded me for this in mm. the past. Exactly. Going back a ways, like two, three years, maybe. But uh, yeah, uh, guilty as charged, no doubt.
1: Uh, you know, uh, fool me once, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. <laughs>
2: That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'll do my best to Andy Reed impression. <clears throat> Injuries. Uh, let's get to those first. Uh, Eagles are probably healthier than they've been all year. For the entirety of the year. Like, you can go back to, did they have people on the injury report week one?
1: Maybe. It's a long time ago.
2: I don't know if they had anyone on injured reserve by then. I don't know. But they have two people on their injury report. They have three people, three people, on, three people of note on, on injured reserve Derek Barnett, Marlon Tui uh Aaron Sipos, of course. Only two guys on their injury report this week Lane Johnson, who, you know, we all expected him to be limited in practice this this week. Uh, with his injury and then Avante Maddox, uh, upgraded from, you know, he didn't practice at all last week. He's limited on Wednesday. We're recording this, by the way, on Thursday afternoon. I just came from Eagles practice and was locked in on Avante Maddox, watching him like a hawk. He looked good. I think he's going to play. He was limited yesterday, uh, yesterday being Wednesday. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be classified as on Thursday today uh, whether he will be able to practice in full or if he'll be limited again but in what I saw from him thought he was cutting fine running around fine Uh, his toe didn't seem to be bothering him and in fact I didn't even know which foot the toe was and as I was watching him I was trying to figure that out and couldn't do it so I think that's a good sign I think he's probably going to play this week
1: yeah, I've been saying for a while now that like that they didn't put him on IR when they could have later in the season seemed to indicate that they because if, if if it was Super Bowl or bust, then you would just put him on IR because you'd have to miss the four games anyway. Mm-hmm. If you didn't put him on IR reasonably, you could expect him to be back by the championship game and it looks like he'll be back. I think that's interesting in terms of what the Eagles do here in the secondary because, uh, you know, they had moved CJ GJ back to the slot. And he seemed to be playing well there in his natural position. And then Reed Blankenship, I thought, has done a really nice job at safety, yeah. um, to the point where you don't just want to like just you know discard him and like not play him at all anymore. Um, so, what do you think happens there?
2: Yeah, well, I don't think Reed Blankenship is going to play zero snaps on defense. I don't think it's just going to be okay. Well, Avante's back; he's in the slot. CJGJ, you go back to safety and Reed. Hit the pine. I don't think it's gonna be that they're gonna use them in some way. Actually, uh as you're aware uh from listening to the Philly special podcast, <laughs> this was a topic of discussion uh mm-hmm. with with uh, Ben and and Sheil. Um yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do. I think that when they get into long down and dis- downs and distances, um, they could just kind of assign if they went when they go man anyway, I think that the best matchup for George Kittle is CJ GJ, and he's given up size in terms of height, but height, um, as Doug would say, um, I mean, I don't think you can have Avante Maddox covering him because he's 5'9", uh, CJ GJ is at least closer to six foot, uh, he's up, up over 200 pounds, I think he can handle George Kittle, certainly George Kittle is going to run away from CJGJ. Um and then you can have you know, Reed Blankenship maybe on the back end. I don't know if that means that Avante Maddox is on the sideline for those types of plays. I guess it all depends on, you know, what uh, personnel that the Niners are in. Um, If they're in, you know, 11 personnel, then he's probably going to be on the field. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot of different things that they can do now that they have found out that Reed Blankenship is actually a good player. So now they have six good players in their secondary, which uh, ultimately is a good problem to have, if you'd even call it that. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see the way uh, they use him. I really don't have a great guess on how the snaps will be split. Uh, but I think the bottom line here is that they, they're getting a, a very good player back. And, um, you know, he can handle uh, slot duties against, you know, whether it's, you know, Christian McCaffrey lining up in the slot, whether it's Debo uh, lining up in the slot, whether it's Brandon Ayuk. Um, so, yeah, it, it just makes the defense all the more better, all, all you know, all the more better than, than they already are. And they're secondary better than they already are.
1: Yeah, I think Ben had mentioned on that podcast that, you know, you, you sometimes you worry about Maddox a little bit just from a size perspective, you know, mm-hmm. getting blocked. But, I mean, I kind of disagree. I think he's really good, especially relative to his size as a run defender. You know, I think he's played really well this year at times when he hasn't been, you know, injured when he's actually been able to be on the field. I thought against the Cowboys, he was looking awesome early in that game. He's bigger um, than he is.
2: He's, he's, he plays bigger than than he actually
1: is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely a good thing to be getting him back. Make no mistake. Um, and with re- regarding Kittle, here's a little stat for you. Seven of George Kittle's 11 touchdowns this year have come with Purdy, that quarterback. Yeah. And they've all come over the past six games. Let three so- games.
2: Well, uh, th- last three games of the regular season, I think, right? Something like that, three or four, or four maybe four. There. I think it's four. Yeah, e, four e zero
1: games. in the last two. But you know, I think that's something to like key key in on. If you're the Eagles, uh, it's almost to me like make anyone else beat you for a touchdown. Like don't let yeah. him because Purdy seems to really like throwing to him. Challenge someone else to kind of beat you, um, and take him away. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, news for the 49ers on their side. Oh, I guess – I don't know if you mentioned this. I wasn't paying attention. I pulled a U. Sorry, <laughs> listening to me. Uh, no no A.J. Brown on the injury report, which is good to see. I did not mention that, so you're safe. Uh, no, Jalen Hurts, again, on the injury report. He was asked about how he feels during his Wednesday press conference. He said he's felt better, uh, but it doesn't matter. Just got to get it done. So there's that still weird, nebulous thing going out there. I'm surprised he That's answered fun. that semi-honestly, actually. I mean – is it honest? Like, is he, are they playing it up still kind of strange? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think there's some truth to it. I don't think he's like 100%. I think there's some soreness there. But looking at the 49ers side of it, uh, they're missing some key people from practice in terms of Christian McCaffrey not practicing for the second mm-hmm. day in a row. Um, Elijah Mitchell not practicing for the second day in a row. So uh they're missing, I, you know, I think those guys are going to play. It's the NFC championship game. Your season's on the line. You're going to suit up and, you know, at least try to play. Uh, But I did read on Niners Nation, Jimmy, our good friend Kyle Posey had written in their Wednesday injury report that he went back and re- as he was rewatching the, the win over the Cowboys that knocked the Cowboys nice. out of the playoffs once again before the, making the NFC championship game that uh, McCaffrey didn't look right to him. He, it looked like he he did not have his full juice level there. So although I, I think these injuries won't prevent them from playing, I think it could hamper them.
2: There's other evidence in that game, too. I mean, they showed him stretching out his calf on the sideline with that calf device, I guess it was. Um, and, you know, they're kind of talking about, is he going to come back into the game or not? And then <clears throat> also on the fi- noteworthy, on their final drive of the game, they when they were trying to bleed out the rest of the clock. Uh, McCaffrey was in on the first play of that drive. It was a pass play. If you recall, there were only a couple seconds um, ahead of the two minute warning. So it made sense for them to pass in that uh, situation because the clock is going to stop anyway. Um, he was on the field for that. And then at, on the other side of the two minute warning, Elijah Mitchell got four straight carries. McCaffrey was on the sideline for those. Including where insane, ran out of absolutely insane to not have your best running back on the field in that moment, in that game, in the divisional round of the playoffs. Unless there was something wrong with the guy, and I think there clearly is. And then on the final play of the drive, after after those four runs by Mitchell, uh, McCaffrey did come back out on the field, and they threw a quick screen to him, which was like a loss for one, and then they wound up punting. Um, so he, you know, there, he played the first and last snaps of, of that drive, but the four in between interesting decision to to have uh, Elijah Mitchell in there who's also hurt by the way <laughs> like he's he, he and both he and McCaffrey uh, as you mentioned are out uh, groin for for Mitchell and calf for McCaffrey so these aren't like bone bruises or you know things like like these are muscle pulls nagging. they're a pain to get rid of. Uh, calf especially is not a good one. Uh, groin isn't great either but calf injury for a running back no bueno. So we'll see if these guys are, you know, fully healthy. I know that I've se- – so I've seen, you know, some of the people that cover the 49ers, um, you know, kind of attempt to understand the Eagle season uh, so far. And from what I've seen from the – you know, they're – I mean, granted, they're only they're, – they only have a chance, you know, a couple, over a couple of days to kind of diagnose this team on offense and defense or whatever. And vice versa. <laughs> the, the common take- yeah right, exactly uh the common takeaway that they seem to have is that the Eagles are vulnerable uh against the run, <laughs> so like um that was certainly true early in the season. We'll get to more of this uh when we actually look at the map matchups a little bit later in this episode, but um you know if that is a concern, still, the Eagles run game, maybe not as much if uh these two their top two running backs are uh, hampered. And then, you know, going further down their injury report, those three, those two guys didn't play or didn't practice. Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, didn't practice. And then the guys who were limited were Debo Samuel, uh, Ambry Thomas, a backup corner. And that's kind of interesting too, because they lost Emmanuel Mosley for the season. I think it was an ACL tear, like week five or six. Uh, He was their starter. They also had Jason Verrett on the roster. Uh, he was a nice comeback story in 2020. Got hurt again in 2021. Hurt, got yeah. hurt this year. He's actually missed 105 games Holy over crap. his nine-year career. 105 games. Uh, but anyway, th- th- those were guys that were ahead of the current starter, Diamador uh, Lenore. Um, so name. if if Ambry Dom- Thomas is uh, if he's, well, I mean, he was limited, so he's probably going to play. Uh, yeah. But that they're, they're the point here is they're thin at corner. Debo also kind of moonlights as a a running back too. So all three of their top three running backs, if you want to include him in that, they're all banged up. And then you have Charles Amenahu, who has an oblique injury. Uh, He was limited, but more importantly with him uh, earlier in the week, he was arrested uh, for suspicion. Uh, I think the the way it's been commonly phrased is suspicion of uh, domestic violence. And, you know, there's, his mugshot is, you know, any plastered all over the internet and Twitter now. Um, so the the Forty Nineers already came out and said he that will not uh, that that will not prohibit him from playing. So he's going to play as long as his injury holds up for him. Uh, but I know you're big on the vibes, as you mentioned a minute ago. Mm. Bad vibes yeah. for the Niners uh, right right off the bat this week with uh, news of that arrest.
1: Yeah, not great vibes for the allegations of that to happen. Um and he did leave the Cowboys game early and I think couldn't finish the game, so you know, we'll see how that goes. Defensive
2: end, I I should mention
1: by the way, is an edge rusher. And um, second good player. Team, second on the team in sacks behind Bosa if you if you're mm-hmm. counting the uh playoffs uh, in addition to the regular season. So yeah, I mean, you know, if he's not even 100% or if he's not out there whatever, he's hampered, that's certainly, you know, easier for the Eagles offensive line to deal with. Um Going beyond injuries, I wanted to bring up the awards, Jimmy, because okay. there were some awards to hand out. Now I don't know if you saw, but the, the Maxwell Club Award winners were you know Jalen Hurts for Professional Player of the Year and Nick Sirianni oh, for I did the
2: not see that. Greasy okay.
1: Neal, Coach of the Year. We have those write ups on Bleeding Green Nation, courtesy of uh, Joe Santa Liquido. But you know, uh, I knew them, Big Big
2: Joe loves the uh, Maxwell
1: Awards. He's a Maxwell guy. He's so, an, he's an Atlantic City guy. That's right. So, uh, elsewhere, though, if you look at, you know, the AP awards, which typically, you know, people typically tend to value as, like, the canonical uh, awards, which is kind of funny because they're not necessarily. It's not like, you know, there's no official MVP. It's just usually people go by the right. AP. and <laughs> AP uh, for
2: the for college football rankings, too.
1: Right. Well, you have the AP and what else? There's the other one, too. There's, like, two different ones. I forget. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the coach's poll, I guess, is the other one. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so with, you know, the awards, Jalen Hurts, a finalist for MVP, will not win it. Uh, one of five finalists, uh, you know, arguably should, especially because you saw the Eagles play not so well without him. Uh, but, you know, the injury is going to hurt him. and It's going to be Mahomes. Spoiler. Yeah, it's going to be Mahomes. <laughs> you know, if the Eagles had gone undefeated, obviously, I think that was the, yeah. the big case. Uh, who else? We have Nick Sirianni, weirdly being shown as a finalist in a graphic by the NFL.com for the AP <laughs> Head Coach of the Year award or Coach yeah. of the Year award, and then not actually though because um, there's only three finalists for that, and it was Dable and Doug, who I think should win it. And um, who else? Uh, Shanahan? Shanahan, right? Yeah, I think Like that, all, all all three of those guys are. Uh, there's you can't really get
2: too mad about Nick not winning that because there are plenty of legit, you know, deserving candidates this year. Uh, unlike most years, I think it's um, it, it's the NFL was weird this year. There are only, <clears throat> excuse me, there are only 13 teams that had winning records, <laughs> and then, like I think two. Had uh, I think two might have been eight, eight and one, and then all the rest had losing records. So there were what the commanders teams? Eight, eight and one. Oh, just one team. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, anyway, uh, there weren't many, you know, teams with winning records. But of the teams that there were, plenty of teams that like overperformed this year. Giants first and foremost, in my opinion. I didn't know that there's that the early over under for their win total. Elliot and I were talking about this earlier uh, at the Eagles' facilities. It was seven and a half. Which seems like, like before the season had begun, I'd have been like, "That's a lock under."
1: Yeah, but the <laughs> like schedule a, was so easy. Yeah, I guess had an easy schedule.
2: Yeah, um, but yeah, they wind up winning what uh, seven? They won nine games, seven, nine seven and one. And you know, of course, they this doesn't matter for the voting. I don't think uh, because I think the voting's already done. Is that do I have that right? But they, I think of so, yes, won the won the one playoff game. I will uh, say they, on they, on they level, would have been a good though. choice. Shanahan would have been a good choice Doug Peterson absolutely a good choice and then there was one oddball one in there like I was trying to figure out I think it was McDermott I was trying to figure out why he was sort of on the level of these other four guys
1: I will say about Dable I do think I do agree he maximized that talent offensively in a huge Mm -hmm. way but at the same time like for Sirianni to not be a finalist and Well, first of all, why can't you have five? You have five for all the other things, but not this one. You can arbitrarily only have three. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And secondly, I mean, Dable had his lunch eight by Nick Sirianni. So it's like a little like (laughs) tough to ignore that part of it. True. And um, two, you mentioned Elliot. To Elliot's point, the Eagles were expected to be good this year. They were not expected to be quite as good as they were. So I don't think Sirianni should win it ultimately because I think you kind of have to – I think it's tough to be like, you have the coach of the year and the executive of the year. You could probably really only have one of those yeah. in theory because it's like, well, is it the talent at the best or is it the coaching? And, you know, it could be, it could be more than one thing it could be true. I'm a big believer in that phrase, but um, it, it does seem like clearly the credit is going to Howie more so, which I think is deserved. If you're Howie good. might you be only... unanimous this year, by the way, for that what? award uh, executive of the year. Well, he won the PFW, PFWA Executive yeah. of the Year. I don't think AP right. has. Uh, oh, they don't? Of okay. the Okay. Mm. Mistaken, if I'm not mistaken. Um, whatever. It's, you know, these, these awards, awards are, are hard to follow. Are what they are. <laughs> I will say, Brandon Graham, um, Hassan Reddick not being a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year probably not great.
2: I'm going to um, get into that, by the way, when we st- when we talk about the matchups. So I have okay. some. I have some Nick Bosa. Uh, Ooh. his overrated
1: takes on on that front. Well, I can't wait to get into that. And okay. then Br- Brandon Graham, you know, I think he should have been the comeback player of the year. I think what he did at his age is kind of being way undersold. Like, it's incredible that you have a player who's in his what age you're going to be 34 who had his first double digit sack season coming off an Achilles tear, yeah, missed all that. Like, that's incredible. And I think that's being sold way short again, at very, the very least, in the conversation as a finalist. Um, so.
2: That's a stupid award. Like Gino Smith might win that award. And Probably what's will, he coming man. what's he coming back from? Like being a shitty player for the last 10 years? <laughs> Excuse my language. Well, he <laughs> like, wasn't even like
1: bad but, like what's in he playing, right what's he, he coming
2: back from? Wasn't
1: playing at all. It wasn't yeah. even like he was bad last year and then came back and was great. He just wasn't playing.
2: Saquon is a is a weird uh option there too because he played last year. He just wasn't that great last year coming back from an injury that he suffered in 2020. And then, who was the other main one? Dave Mangels actually wrote a, a good article on on, uh, on on Bleeding Green Nation about um, all these McCaffrey's. McCaffrey's a bad is a bad one too because, I mean, come on, he had like he, I guess he played what six or seven games or something like that over the last two years, but you know, is he really coming? Is he like, I don't know,
1: whatever. I have a conspiracy theory about the BLG one and you know i have i don't know anything but my hope it's more like a a wishful conspiracy theory is that they're not going to give it to the comeback player the uh, award to him because they're going to give walter payton man of the year award oh okay i mean i don't know it doesn't work like that probably and that's again wishful (laughs) thinking but in my mind i'm hoping that like maybe that would strengthen his case for it is that like hey come on like you didn't give him this let's show it this guy some. he deserves some kind of recognition and that's the other thing he's a great dude in addition to being a great player so it just feels like all oh, the more reason why you should you know shine a light on that and again like it's not it's not just a, like what's the point of these awards it's in part to recognize great players and as a brand if you're the NFL you want this player representing you Brandon Graham is a great representation of what you want your like to, your league to be about like a great right. player good person like this is what you should be promoting um, mm-hmm. not that the other guys are necessarily bad, but I just think to not give Brandon Graham that attention is kind of not sending the best message. Um, all right. You're the video a of break? him
2: uh, going out for the coin toss against the giants, oh, by the way, is yes. phenomenal where he's talking trash to Daniel Jones. He's saying, I'm coming after that throwing arm. He's talking <laughs> to Saquon Barkley and he's talking to Dexter Lawrence. Uh, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, Jason Kelsey uh, talked today and he, somebody asked him about that. And uh, Kelsey's like, yeah, man, I was actually mad at BG. Like, <laughs> talk, you know, talk smack to the offensive tackle. Don't, don't talk to Dexter Lawrence, give him, you know, more motivation. They, like, you know, get him more, more amped up than he already is to beat me. <laughs> like, go, go talk to the guy that you're facing off against, not right. my guy. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I, but yeah, B, should... BG
1: is a treasure. They should send him out to every coin toss forever from now on, <laughs> even after he's retired. Cause also I think he does it in a way where it isn't, you know, it's not, it's him. It's what he does. And I think a lot of players kind of know that, especially yeah. players in the same division. Like they looked all unfazed by that. They That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he does. It's his thing. Um, But it is funny. <laughs> and also like, even if you know it and you expect it and you know, cause at the end of the game too, I liked how the Eagles showed that part or, or NFL film showed that part. Like it's, you know, he's he's, it's a bit, it's not like, like after the game, he goes up to them and he gives them their due. He's respectful. It's not like he's like an actual like jerk like the whole time and just like you know what I mean. You get what I'm saying there. Yeah. Like, when the game is over, he shakes their hand. He's respectful. He's like, hey man, good game. You know, like keep crushing it. Um, it's a bit, and I like yeah. it a bit. So, uh, Be- better yeah. career.
2: Brandon Graham, Jason Pierre-Paul.
1: <sighs> that's tough. I mean, that's J- easy. I mean, you, you you think it's BG It's BG? Yeah. It's I mean, fast. JPP's still playing at like a decent level. I feel like. I'm not a JPP guy. I love Brandon Graham, but I'm just saying, like JPP's had a good career.
2: He's still around. JPP well, doesn't have a doesn't have a game winning strip sack in the Super Bowl. I mean, he doesn't have a Super Bowl win, but he doesn't does, have a game winning. strip Does he have two sack.
1: wins? did he win? Was he on the Bucks? <laughs> no, he wasn't. One? He
2: wasn't around as far back. No, because he was the, the Giants won in two in 2007 originally. BG and JPP were drafted in 2010, I believe. No, but
1: I'm saying, wasn't JPP on the Bucks when they won? Oh, yeah,
2: he's got two. Yeah, you're right. He does have two yeah. rings then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, two different teams. Yeah, you're right.
1: I mean, look, I, I don't, don't put me in the position where I have to <laughs> not give uh, Brandon Graham the most credit. But I'm saying, like, JPP has had a pretty good career. as I mean, Like, it's I think it's close. I would take Brandon Graham. But I think it's close. Anyway. All right, um, now, BG or Earl Thomas? I mean, Brandon Graham. Yeah, Earl okay. Thomas, like, I don't think, I mean, Graham's still playing, and he could be playing for, like, if he wanted to, honestly, probably, like, you know, three more years or so, reasonably, or at least a couple. Like, Earl Thomas had a obviously, amazing peak, but he didn't last, and I think there's been something to be said for longevity. How long has he been, did he play he played last year, right? Earl Thomas? No, he's been out of the league for, like, a few years now. Because I remember
2: it was all going downhill. There was a highlight of Derrick Henry just... yes. Just basically turned him around and pushed him down the field as he was he was running down the field. He hasn't played since 2019, Jimmy. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. I was gonna knock you for that, but I mean, because Earl Thomas was defensive player of the year one year. He was like, he he was the best
1: safety in the league for a number of years. He had voted. He was like third in voting for that award. Oh, really?
2: I thought he won a defensive player of the year.
1: I mean. Not what I'm looking at. Pro Football Reference here. Huh. all right. I mean, he, you know, he's a seven-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro, so you know, he is more like a compliment in that regard than he's, Brandon he's Graham. Got a good but, resume, yeah. But if you're also talking about the person, because Earl Thomas seemed kind of moody there at some points too, and there's some kind of weird like vibes and locker room stuff. Brandon Graham, that was never an issue. So you know, on oh, the look totality, at that, you're man, right, I and
2: mean, it doesn't say. I'm on Wikipedia for him. Yeah. No defensive player of the year. I don't know why I had it in my head that he won one. I guess I'm stupid.
1: All right. Let's take a break here. Before we do, Righteous (laughs) Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com right now. Pause the podcast or do it after the podcast. RighteousFelon.com. Check out the website. doesn't cost you anything to browse, to peruse the site, see what they have. And if you see anything that interests you, and I'm sure you will, and really, I think the move might be to go with um, some of the, the bundles they have, Jimmy, because they have the bundles of all the you can do a bundle where you can get like literally all of the flavors. So you can try one of every flavor, see what you like. And when you're buying in bulk like that and using the discount code, I did the math on it. I forget what it was. I think like normally you can buy each pack for something like six ninety nine or so. But if you do the, the whole bundle and you do the uh, discount code, it's something like $4.00 per so that's what you know it's a pretty good like discount in full when you're getting the savings in that regard so write to selling.com discount code bgn15 for 15% off your order also maybe you don't eat meat maybe you don't need snacks but you probably have a dog and if you have a dog you need to spoil your dog and get your dog some treats so you can go to wildrangerpet.com and use the same discount code bgn15 for 15% off dog treats that have premium quality ingredients you want to treat your dog right and make sure they're healthy. So, WildRangerPet.com is the place you want to check out for that. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, yeah, I got the bundle for.
2: Uh, I think I mentioned before Christmas for my brother-in-law, Ronnie, cakes, and it yep. comes in like the, the packaging. It comes in. They put it in like a bag, and it looks all like a. You get. You also get a, a righteous felon bag to come with like your a, bundle. Like a tote. no nah, it's called it a tote. So much more like. Uh, I'm probably guess, over selling the bag a little like a bit. Grocery shopping
1: bag? <laughs> like not like that. Yeah, a but better. Yeah,
2: and a nice little bag that that I actually just gave the present as is in this bag, mm-hmm. put a little bow on it. It was nice enough that I could, you know, just do a reusable do that. bag, you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, you can reuse it again. Um, so yeah, uh bundle bundles how I went for Ronnie Cakes this Christmas. And you should just get a bundle for yourself. Anyway, back after
0: this. <laughs>
1: Back here on BGN Radio, big episode before the NFC Championship game. Jimmy, it's time to talk about the matchups. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to do Eagles ball first or Niners ball first? We'll do. I think Eagles ball first. Eagles on okay. offense. My number one matchup to watch. Okay. Is AJ Brown? On. Okay. I think this is the AJ Brown game. He just had. The, he, it just feels like he's due, right? He has this game. He only has three for twenty two whatever, not super happy on the sidelines. I am not worried about that being, you know, an issue. He was awesome to end the regular season. He was, you know, heading into the playoffs super hot. This is a 49ers defense that is allowing the six most yards to wide receivers this season. They are gettable on the outside with those cornerbacks you mentioned earlier. And AJ Brown had a big game against the 49ers last year. Now, that was against Josh Norman, who was clearly washed and uh, the aforementioned Ambry Thomas as the 49ers cornerbacks mm-hmm. in that game. But it was also Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. You'd rather have Jalen Hurts, I'm sure, than him. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a game where the Titans didn't have Derrick Henry. So in, in theory, you know, they could key in more on A.J. Brown a little bit because they didn't have to worry yeah. about Henry. And the other two receivers along A.J. Brown last year were the corpse of Julio Jones, Julio Jones. And uh, I forget that guy's last name. It's like Nick Westbrook. Something. Oh, uh Akinhei. Yeah. Uh, well, so that guy, who is you know just a guy, probably a guy. at best. Yeah. Yeah. So now the Eagles have Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders working alongside AJ Brown, so it's not like the Forty ers can just key in on him. And I rewatched AJ Brown's game from uh, that one, and I remember watching mm-hmm. that. Li- I remember watching that live because I think it was it was a prime time game. I think it was a Thursday night or a Monday night game. And I remember watching that one and being like, man, A.J. Brown's killing him. They can't stop him. Yeah. Don't, they don't have an answer for him. As, anytime they needed a first down, big spot, boom, A.J. Brown couldn't stop him. And I think there's something, too, he really rose to the challenge in that game. Because, you know, the 49ers defense gets all this credit for being physical and tough, and they are. But so is A.J. Brown. And I don't yeah. think he likes that. I don't think he likes like, you know, them getting more credit than him as like in this alpha physical player. I think he I could because I, I was watching, you know, the replays of some of these catches he would make and you would see him smiling. I feel like more often than you would or like really being, um you know, really being expressive after he got in the first down mm-hmm. and pointing like he was he really loved. I think tearing up that defense because he, he's a, you know, he's a it was a big stage and I think he wanted to shine against this like very tough defense so um for him to be as dominant as he was in that game he had 16 targets he had like 11 catches 145 yards a touchdown uh you know i think there's something to that and i think there's something to the fact that the 49ers are allowing the most uh stats mentioned this stat on the mixtape the most 50 plus yard passing plays in the nfl this year with eight i think there's going to be some deep shots to aj brown and i think they're going to hit
2: yeah, when he played it, when they played against uh, the Titans played a, against a lot of really good teams last year and they beat a lot of really good teams uh, last year. Like the Chiefs, I think, during the regular season, um, the Bills maybe were in that mix. The Niners were in that mix, of course, and uh, he seemed to save his best games for the best opponents. Uh, I remember cutting up all of his targets this off season, this past offseason after they traded for him. In this Niners game that he played in, yeah, he was, he was the alpha dog in that game. And, you know, the two guys that, that you point to in the NFL, whenever there's like a, a, a prospect coming out that breaks a lot of tackles or is a physical receiver, they go, oh yeah, you know, he's got some like AJ Brown slash Debo Samuel type traits. And <laughs> now, you know, these two guys are fe- like, they're facing each other in this game. Um, but yeah, I remember him be- being, I remember being really impressed with him in that game. And then also in their playoff loss to the Bengals, he was awesome in that game. That's all the Titans had going for him in that game was AJ Brown, um, and yeah. So he he did rise to the challenge in in big moment, moments. And the point that you made about him, you know, like I don't know if pouting is the right word, but wasn't happy with the, his, his, his 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 targets uh, against the Giants. There was another game earlier this year against Arizona, yeah, where. I don't know if he was sulking so much in that game, but he was not on the field on a number of. He didn't of, start. He didn't officially start the game. Weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a very weird usage of him during that game. And uh it was like a topic during that week between the Arizona game and their next opponent, which was Dallas, uh in Philadelphia. And he got targeted uh early and often uh or early in you know in that game. Uh so I think that while there's a matchup advantage between whoever Charvarius Ward is not covering and whoever's going up against Diamandor Lenore, you know, logic would dictate that you're probably going to attack Lenore over Ward. If Ward follows Brown and he's done that apparently four times this year is my understanding. He's followed four. I don't know what games they were, but he's done that four in four different games this year. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is going to get a lot of targets, like if he's going up against Lenore all day. But I don't think they're just going to ignore Brown. Of course, like he's going to get his share of targets too, because he's you know one of the best players, and it'd be crazy. I mean, it's not. It's not like Charvarius Ward is you know, Darrell Revis in his prime or like Jalen Ramsey or something like that, you know, you can, you can get over on that guy too. So uh, yeah, it'll be, I, I'm with you there that I, I do think it, it has the potential to be a, a big AJ Brown game just because AJ Brown is awesome.
1: Why don't you get into the Nick Bosa stuff here as you're I mean, okay. I'm going to lead you into your offensive. thing. Yeah. But I, you want to, you teased it anyway. I feel like you should get to it.
2: Yeah. So I watched all of his sacks this year. I I pulled them all and um, just, I uh, was curious what they look like. And uh, not that not that impressive. <laughs> like wow. so, like like. Let me pull it up. I I, I probably should have had this ready. half
1: sacks. Jimmy says, no big deal to me.
2: Yeah, I mean they. I mean so let, let's let me be clear. First of all, he is a very very good player, very sure. good pass rusher. He's got speed. He can beat guys around the edge. I think he's really effective when they run stunts and twists and stuff, and he loops to the inside. He does it so fast that it's hard for, you know, some guards to come off of, you know, the, whoever they're blocking initially and then, you know, cl- closing the hole and, and getting over in time to block them. So he's really effective that way. He converts speed to power, meaning like he'll hit uh, offensive tackles with a bunch of speed rushes in a row and then bang, speed to power and he runs them over, puts them on roller skates and gets to the quarterback. But when you look at those 18.5 sacks and I broke them down, Just I was curious who they went up against. Six of them were against backup players. Uh, Two of them came against rookies. Four of them, he wasn't blocked at all. Two of them were coverage sacks. Two of them shouldn't have counted at all. One of them, he just blatantly blatantly tripped the quarterback. He stuck his leg out and tripped him. they, They actually threw a flag on it. And then they picked it up for some asinine reason. Like it was very clearly a tripping penalty and they just let him have the sack. And then there was one where he was just offsides by a mile and somehow just let that go too. And he got a sack on that play. So two of his sacks were against veteran starters. Only two were against where he beat a veteran starter. One of them was against, um, The Chiefs right tackle, whose name is escaping me, Wiley, I believe, is Andrew Wiley, uh, who Pro Football Focus had had down for nine sacks allowed this year. And the other one was against Washington, uh, Charles Leno, who Pro Football Focus had down for eight sacks allowed this season. Compare Nick Bosa's body of work in terms of his sacks. And you look at, like, you look at a video cut up of Hassan Reddick's sacks, which I also happen to cut up. There is no comparison. Hassan Reddick was just dusting guys, good players too, all season long. You know, didn't get any gimmies, didn't, didn't get many gimmies. Certainly there weren't, there might have been like one or two coverage sacks in there, uh, but he often won very quickly, got to the quarterback very quickly, and made plays. Also, he did a much better job of getting the ball out when he got to the quarterback too. That has not been a strength of, I think he had, Nick Bosa had like two forced fumbles, I think. Again, Nick Bosa is an awesome player. There is no way in hell that he should be on the uh player of the year ballot over Hassan Reddick, who, in my opinion, very clearly uh had a had a better season than Nick Bosa just in terms of you know forcing big plays with the forced fumbles, uh had similar number of sacks sacks, but also his sacks were a lot more oppressive than Nick Bosa's. If he's just going up against Lane Johnson all day. I don't have much worry. I think Lane well, Johnson is going to handle him. He does play both sides, so he, he will yeah. go, be going up against Jordan Mailata at, at times. And I think Jordan Mailata will be fine against him, too. Like I think they'll probably give him a little extra help because the gap between Bosa yes. and the next guy, Emenehu,
1: Emenehu might had, not what, play like or might be five or pampered. six
2: sacks on the season, something like that. Uh, yeah. Samson uh, Ecubon, I believe, was was in that mix, too, like five mm-hmm. or six for him as well. So, you know, the, the gap between he, uh, between Bosa and and the next guy is uh, pretty substantial. So that they, I imagine they will give him my, I don't think they're going to give help to Lane at all. Just, Lane, go block that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he's on the other side, I do think they'll give my lot, a little bit of help. But, you know, th- this is just one, of, there are many examples of this week when I took a, a harder look at this 49ers team, there are a lot of examples where I was like, yeah, this team isn't as good. As you know, I previously perceived and one of the things contributing that to contributing to that thought is, you know, Nick Bosa isn't as scary a player as I
1: thought he was a week ago. Wow, really just tempting fate, aren't you? Uh, (laughs) You know, I I do think it's worth noting how, you know, we don't know if Lane will hold up still. That's kind of a a tenuous thing. It's good against the Giants, no doubt. Um, You know, we'll see if that continues You did have a couple penalties in that game. Wonder if he, you know, may have been compensating a little bit, knowing that you might want to try to get the ball off the ball a little bit faster than usual. Mm -hmm. But yeah, something to watch. Um, My thing, my question would be: Do the Eagles need to block him at all? Because earlier this year against Micah Parsons, you know, they had a really nice little effective strategy of just leaving him unblocked and Mm -hmm. just basically optioning him out of the play, making him the read and just kind of uh, maneuvering around him. So I think, and there's, just, I don't, you know, it's not like you're doing that the whole game, but I do think their success with that should kind of lend towards picking the right spots to do that again and just, you know, taking him out of the play entirely. So um, that's something to watch in my mind, but yeah, I mean, the rest of the defensive line there, you know, like it's not, it's not like they have bums, you know, Armst- Eric Armstead, you know, very good defensive tackle. Sure, um, the guys you mentioned
2: zero aren't... sacks for him, by the way, this year, which is mm-hmm. odd to see. But, but no question, uh, definitely a very good player on the interior for them,
1: and good against the run. Which I guess I'll yeah. kind of translate into my next point, which is you saw the Eagles have success against the New Orleans Saints, different team, but New Orleans Saints number one ran, run ranked de- number one ranked run defense. In oh, the on NFL. the other side
2: now? We're we're on uh Eagles defense now?
1: Well, I was going Eagles offense. Oh, okay.
2: I thought, th- um, I thought you were talking about the Eagles running games. game. My bad. The Eagles running okay.
1: game. I think there's a perception that the Eagles can't run because the 49ers have a good run defense, and they do have a good run defense. They rank first in the NFL in terms of opponent yards per rushing attempt. I don't mean what, like 3.7, 3.4, something around there. Mm-hmm. But to me, if you're the Eagles, I'm not saying you go into this game thinking you're gonna win with the run. But I'm right. saying, like you don't uh, you don't just go into it and admit defeat on that. Like, no, <laughs> you have a really good run game, and it should absolutely be at, at the very least a complimentary part of the offense. You just ran for what, like 280 something last week, and the Giants are much worse at defending the, the run than the Eagles are. But still, that's a that's a unit to to work with and the the point I'm trying to make here is those Saints games should be a lesson that like you don't just stray away from something because in theory the other team is good at it if you're if it's your strength then lean into it go for it and see make them stop it challenge them to stop it and if they can then okay you kind of pivot away from that but don't just go into the game like the Eagles did kind of once upon a time against the Cowboys early in 2021 and you always like to bring this up about how Nick Sirianni like he basically he planned to get into a shootout with the Cowboys team. That's right. It was yeah, really yeah. not a good strategy for the talent on the roster at the time, and I think he's learned a lot since then. And I'm not really worried about that happening again. And I'm not trying to be Mister Run the Ball guy, but I'm saying like don't don't abandon it because it's it's effective. It's a weapon for this offense, and make them make them defend it early in the game, especially.
2: Yeah, there are two games that I'll point to on the on the Eagles run game. Uh, number one is the Titans game where the Titans. Had very similar yep. run defense numbers to the 49ers this year, and the Eagles didn't even bother. They just threw the ball over the yard because the Titans were garbage <laughs> in pass defense. You're not going to do this against the 49ers because they have a much better pass defense than the t- t- Titans, just couldn't defend the pass at all. So you're not going to do that. I think that the other game that you look at is the Falcons game that the 49ers played this year. Marcus Mariota. And the uh, I think he I think he attempted 14 passes when they played the The four, and this wasn't defense a was
1: banged up in that one. But, yes,
2: this was in a dome. This wasn't like, uh, you know, the the weird week one game in the monsoon against Chicago and Justin Fields. This was, you know, like so it wasn't like elements were, in, were part of this game or whatever. But he threw 14 passes. Uh, he ran six times for 50 yards uh, and a touchdown there. Zone read stuff, uh, RPO stuff, really gave the 49ers problems uh, in that game just schematically. Otherwise, they really didn't face any other running quarterbacks. Like it was basically just Justin Fields and Marcus Mariota. Again, the Fields game was weird because it just rained like hell. They actually lost that game, and they lost the game to the Falcons too. So the two times they played running quarterbacks, Fields didn't do much as a runner in that game, so it's not a great example. But uh, the Falcons ran all over the 49ers in that game. I think they approached 200 yards. They didn't hit it. I want to say they're like 160 something, 170 something, maybe Uh, total rushing yards on that day. Uh, But they beat them 28 to 14, and uh, the the rushing element from the quarterback uh, definitely did give give them some issues. So I imagine that the Eagles are going to look very heavily uh, at that game to see what Atlanta was able to do against them. As you mentioned, like they were banged up, uh, not just in that game, but really during a big chunk of the uh, the middle part of the season. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're certainly, they'll have better players than they did against Atlanta. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Eagles will look very heavily at that game to see what kind of clues they they, they can get from yeah. from what Atlanta did to them.
1: Uh, it's not that, to me, that the Eagles need to run all over the Niners, but it's just enough to keep it, you know, the defense first. Sure. You know, just yeah. enough that it's like a, a legitimate, complimentary part of the offense. Just be respectable. And I, th- you're going to have to win the passing. I think ultimately, you know, Hertz is going to have to have, you know, a, a good game and kind of carry yep. the weight. But um, I would just say you can't abandon the run game. Can't can't be a non-factor. It has to be some kind of a mix it in there. Uh, let's flip over to the defense. Does that sound good to you? What's the what purpose of the defense? Let's flip over to the defense. Oh, uh, one,
2: one more thing. It's, it's also just worth noting that the 49ers take the ball away a lot. So like, you know, this isn't really good analysis to just say you can't turn the ball over, but I think in situations where, um, you know, you're deciding to fight for extra yards, maybe just don't just make sure you don't fumble the ball, hold on to the ball two, with two hand with, with two arms and, and make sure you don't get it ripped away from you. And then I, I, think you don't have Quez Watkins running any precision routes. <laughs> like I think, like if you could, if you're going to drop a play for him to run a go ball, like, like a go route, and you throw a go ball to him, like at, at some point in the game where he's just streaking down the field, fine. But I don't think you want him running precision, you know, eight, ten yard slants uh, where the ball is coming out on on timing, and you you need to be, you need him to be at a spot at a certain time. So I think there's, those are just two examples, but I think you want to make sure that you limit. Uh, the risk in you know turning the ball over and sort of go to your more your bread and butter stuff in this game because the Niners feast on, on, uh, they're number one in the NFL and in, in turnover differential plus 13. Uh, the Eagles held that title for the better part of the season, they wound up plus eight. Uh, I think the Niners had 30 takeaways, I want to say. I believe they were second in that department to the, they're at least second or third, uh, to the, Cow- the Cowboys were number one. Uh, but, yeah, you just want to make sure that uh, that, that you're not giving the, giving the ball away to this team because they do capitalize.
1: On that note, like, you know, it's kind of one thing to be, don't fight for extra yards. I mean, you know, pick your spots with that. If it's yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. third down, fourth down, you have to, sure. But if, you know, it's a, like basically like the Quez Watkins big play that he had earlier this year, <laughs> yes. maybe just stay on the ground. Or, um, you know, a situation where you already know you have the first or you're getting right. deep in the territory. Like, be smart about, yeah, picking right. the right time to uh, fight for those extra yards. Um. All right, now let's flip over to the defense. Let's flip it, yes. Where, Uh, I guess I'll start with this. And I said this on the mixtape. If Jonathan Gannon gets carved up by Brock Purdy, that will be just <laughs> downright <laughs> pathetic. There's literally no historical precedent for a rookie quarterback to win a championship game or really even be all that successful in them. Okay. Uh, rookie quarterbacks in championship games it's actually one NFC championship game and three uh, AFC are 0 and four. Jimmy. And uh, they are the average uh, margin of loss in those games is 10.25 points. So okay. like, these games haven't even been close and they've combined for four passing touchdowns and nine interceptions. So they're not playing well in these yeah. games. And you know, you look at what Purdy has done. He's obviously had success. I just feel like, First of all, he's not fumbled yet, which I feel like that's coming, uh, especially because he holds on to the ball. If you mm-hmm. look at time to throw, he is 26 fastest. So not, you know, not above average at getting the ball out. Um, Jonathan Gannon did note he's been good at not taking sacks. And there's truth in that. Uh, he's only taken 14 so far in eight games. If you extrapolate that to like a full game season, you know, he's about like 28, 29 ish. And that would rank like the 10th fewest in the league. So there's something to that. But yeah. you're going up against this pass rush. And come on, like, I know he's played well. He's played very well, above expectation. But like, you're working with this historical precedent on your side. You can't lose to Brock Purdy. You can't do it. Like, you can't be, oh, Jonathan Ginn getting head coaching interviews and this great defensive mind. And actually, he is great and lose to Brock Purdy. You can't do that. You just can't. It can't happen.
2: He's six foot and five eighths inches, which puts him in the seventh percentile uh, among quarterbacks historically he has got 29 inch arms, which um, like that's like Avante Maddox territory. <laughs> like, which uh, you know, for a quarterback, it's like, well, so what? Does he have to have a long arm to be good? It's it's the first percentile. Like, so there aren't people, there aren't quarterbacks that have smaller arms than than him. And he's got nine and one quarter inch hands, which are smaller than than average. Um, I believe that's. I don't have a percentile on that, but um, anyway, the point I'm going to, that that I'm making here is. I think one of the things that the defensive line has to has to be mindful of the ball is the ball's going to come out low when it comes out when he's standing in the pocket. And he got lucky against the Cowboys mm-hmm. because one of his passes got tipped uh at by I believe it was Anthony Barr near the line of scrimmage. And it landed right in the stomach of Trayvon Diggs, who dropped it. The Cowboys might win that game if he makes that sure. interception, by the way. Um but he's gotten lucky not just on that play, but there have been some wildly off-target throws that he's made. If you saw the the Seahawks uh, playoff game in the wild card round, and it was raining in that game, so maybe that plays a part. But um, I don't know. I don't see like <laughs> I don't see like, these bigger quarterbacks with like big hands struggling to make those kinds of throws. Like in in it wasn't crazy rain. Like it was raining a little bit, uh, but he had some some throws that were just wildly off target not even close to his receiver there were some dropped interceptions in that game uh there were just some throws that were nowhere near his target and they just hit the ground so he's been very lucky to have some balls hit the ground that that could have been otherwise turnovers and then the other thing that i've noticed about him is that when there's pressure he runs backwards mm. and i mean doesn't there's two different kinds of runs backwards before Nick Foles was the <laughs> the uh Super Bowl MVP that we know and love, there was a time where he would just fade back and fade that back and Foles. keep fading back, fade he just kept walking you had that you know that what was it like uh a, a madden game
1: i have this uh, thing. clip like very go like like the annals of my instagram like scroll all the way to the bottom of my page and you can find this clip of yeah i took from madden where it's Nick Foles, it's like a, it was the practice mode so you can put the ball wherever you want and <laughs> okay. i had it at the one yard line right the goal line and i just have him drop back all the way into the other end zone because he used to do that sometimes he used to be back foot full yeah, he'd keep just fading back, back and
2: fading yeah. back and then he'd throw up his back foot yeah um well, okay, this is that's not what Brock Purdy does. Brock no. Purdy just turned his back to his to the to the field, and he just runs backwards, and then he'll run one one way or the other, and he'll either if if there's nobody anywhere near him, then he'll try to still make a throw down the field, and if there is somebody in pursuit, he'll just throw it out of bounds. I think the Eagles need to have a plan, uh, have a plan for that. Make him pay for doing that nonsense. He's running around back there. Like he's Russell Wilson in his prime or like Kyler Mary. And he's, he's not like athletic really this guy. So he's small. He's got small hands. He's got a small, he's got a, you know, stubby little arms. He's not very athletic. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't throw with a lot of power. His accuracy has been iffy at times when you just look at this guy as a physical traits kind of player He doesn't have them.
1: It's just why he got drafted. (laughs) Right. The the
2: literal last overall pick in the draft. I don't mean to like goof on the guy because he's had a ton of success. He's got 14 touchdowns. He gave him a one game early in the year against the, against the chiefs. And he got picked off in that game. But that game aside, like since he's become the starting quarterback, he's got 16 touchdowns and three interceptions. He's doing something right. And he's, I think his coaching staff is putting him in a good position to succeed. Obviously he's got a, a, you know, he's got like all these skill position players that are awesome that get open for him. And he, I think they make a lot of his throws easy for him. And I don't, you know, if the Eagles win this game and he plays like crap, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm, I do not i i do not know that I'm going to be the one that's like, I oh, told you that guy sucks. Cause you know, he really did some like really good things for the 49ers, but
1: I don't, at some point the magic is running out. And I think that's going to be in Philadelphia on Sunday. So on the, he's small point. Uh, I think I may have said this earlier in the week, but, should be able to get the ball out easier in theory. You, know, you see some of these big quarterbacks who take these hits and I'm sometimes I'm like how do they hold on to the ball still? I mean, when you're smaller like that, in theory like you're not going to have that strength and size to to be able to withstand some of those and you yeah. look at how like Josh Sweat like stripped the crap out of daniel jones <laughs> big last week
2: yeah that was going it hurt no not that, yeah. that, that club like, that that's gonna hurt brock purdy daniel jones yeah
1: um a big thing i have against purdy and this is uh, it's been brought up in some circles uh, well first of all shout out to my guy um peter schrager giving me the giving bleeding green nation the shout out on good morning football this morning on nfl network he brought up how the eagles have two assistants and um the assistant defensive backs coach dk mcdonald um mm-hmm. and then defensive assistant tyler scudder who were both at iowa state for the first three years when brock Purdy was there with the cyclone so you know that's not nothing there's some kind of level of like insight to they, they went up against him in practice for three mm-hmm. years so they have sure. some level of you know maybe knowing what he does doesn't like whatever um but my bigger thing is the crowd i think the crowd is a huge factor in this game obviously it's you know the eagles have home field advantage but i just yeah. think back to how the link was nuts against the vikings in the championship game press box was like shaking i, I felt like it was crazy um and looking at the 49ers have done on a whole this year on the road not not even just talking about purdy here i'll get to that i think you would argue if you're looking at like the 49 ers schedule and picking out their most impressive road wins i think you have to say it's either like the panthers game where they won by twenty two, thirty seven to fifteen, or the Rams game, uh, that was thirty one to fourteen, and the Panthers game. Panthers were starting a quarterback who they <laughs> benched and then cut in Baker Mayfield, and yeah. Matt Rule got fired right after that game. So that was a whole different team that that they that they played in that one. We throw the Panthers. Seahawks
2: in there maybe too
1: because they swept the Seahawks, right? I'll get to that. Um, yeah, okay. And okay. then the one, the one over the Rams, like that's not even—it's barely a home game for the Rams. The Forty ers fans are famous for taking over <laughs> that stadium. The Rams don't have yeah. real fans; they don't care about football in LA. It's not a real thing.
2: Were they garbage by then, or are they I still?
1: Mean, I think they still had Stafford, but you know the, the Rams—they're okay. pretty much garbage all year. They're garbage all year, yeah. But th- there was a certain point where they became—I mean, just burning garbage. <laughs> yeah so you know that's but those but both of those i think you could argue are the most impressive wins and neither of them with purdy that was i think they were both with garoppolo starting so there's that if you're looking at the purdy starts you're talking about which he's only started two games on the road for them somehow even though he has six home games uh cause of their weird schedule um they beat the seahawks 21 to 13 it's a one score game but like the seahawks kind of had a garbage time touchdown so that was a little bit more impressive although yeah. i would say the Seahawks totally fell apart in the second half of the year. Like they were not good late in the season. And I said right. that going into the uh, wildcard round, which is, I was feeling good about the 49ers covering that nine and a half point spread that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's no revisionist history for me on that one. And then they freaking went to overtime against Jarrett Stidham, even though again, there was a lot of 49ers fans there in Vegas there. So like, that's what they've done on the road. And then um, Stidham lit him up in that game too, by the way, he did. Which, you know, worth noting. Uh, last two things I have in this are, if you just look again at the 49ers overall, not just the wins, but the losses, too. Some really bad losses on the road. They lost to the freaking Bears. Again, whatever. it was, There was a lot of rain and weather, so that was kind of weird. Yeah. Trey Lance was starting. But still, you lost to the team that has the number one overall pick in the draft this year. <laughs> right. You lost to Denver. Oh, That game was awful. I watched that one. It was on Sunday Night Football. It was a terrible game. It was like just so boring and awful. Yeah. They're picking what third or fourth, fifth, whatever. Like they're, I mean, not them because the Seahawks on the yeah that pick, game was unwatchable. I remember that game. They're, they were one of the worst teams in the league this year. And then the Falcons you mentioned. Now the Forty ers again were banged up there, but like those three teams total the Bears, the Broncos, and the Falcons. They're all picking in the top eight. You lost to those teams on the road, and then they got waxed by the Chiefs, which is you know that's not right. like a disgrace. But it was it was a close game. They got blown out. Um, my last thing on this is. Purdy is 10 and 13 in non home games. Uh, and he, or at least he was in college. He was nine and nine on the road. He was one and four at neutral sites versus 20 and four at home. So I think there's enough evidence there to suggest, like, that both the 49ers, you know, are not invincible or amazing on the road. And then Purdy specifically is a different kind of player away from home. All good points. Look at you coming with your home in a way. Why don't you give us one more defensive analysis? Yeah.
2: Um, so I'll go Eagles D line versus their offensive line. I think um on the interior, there are some advantages there. Both of their guards are uh well, one of them is a rookie, that's Spencer Burford. He was uh UTSA, Texas Stan- uh, San Antonio. Uh that's fourth where your, round um, pick. John
1: Dornboss went, I think. I think that's right.
2: No, was he was he UTEP? Oh, yes, yeah, El Paso. UTEP. Eh, this yeah, this is Texas pick. San Antonio. Uh so he's their right guard, and then their left guard is a uh, uh, second-year player, second uh, second-year player, second uh, second-round pick, also uh, Aaron Banks, and then their center is sort of like ga- like a jag. It's Jake uh, Burdell. He's been in the league for like six, seven years, something like that. Uh, only has twenty-two career starts. The both of both of the guards, um, ha- I think they both have. 18 career stats, including the playoffs, just, excuse me, 18 career starts, including the playoffs. Um, so, you know, very inexperienced, a couple of guards. Trent Williams is uh, widely regarded as the best left tackle uh, in the NFL and deservedly so. Awesome player. No question about that. I think what we saw from Josh Sweat was interesting in that, um, was it the first Giants game or was it this, it was first Giants game where, he beat Andrew Thomas for a sack right off the bat, like the, yeah. the first drive of the game. And it was kind of like, man, if they, if Andrew Thomas can't take <laughs> care of his matchup, then that's going to be a long day for the giants offensive line. So Josh sweat is perfectly capable of beating a you know, good left tackle. There was a game against the saints a couple of years ago where he just killed Teron Armstead that's right. uh, on a couple of different plays. So, um, you know, if he can win a, a one-on-one matchup against Trent Williams, uh, that you know, I'll, I mean, anything that anything that Josh Sweat gives you in this game against uh, you know, Trent Williams is, is gravy. Yeah, you'll take it at right tackle. I think Mike McGlinchey is thought of as like a a good solid right tackle, and I would say that he's certainly a good run blocking right tackle. Uh, he's got some bad losses on tape. Well, I um, Sax- saw what Micah Parsons did, to him. Poor, uh Mike McGlinchey on that. People like screenshotting, like him just being parallel to the ground. It looks like Micah Parsons just it looks like Michael Parsons just. If you just you know pause that video and you stop it at the right, but it looks like he's just using him as like uh, like a blocking pad. <laughs> and of course, uh, he did that to him on that on that you know Reggie White's famous hump move, where you just toss the guy with one hand hmm. or with one arm. Uh, he's six eight, so he's a very tall uh offensive tackle, you know, some of those guys that are taller have trouble and you you would know this better than anyone. Uh not that you've played offensive tackle uh in the NFL, but you know, as a tall guy um you know, it's harder to shuffle feet sometimes for for those sure. guys. Uh but he's got some bad he has some bad losses on tape uh both against speed uh and against power. So I think there are opportunities there for both uh Hassan Reddick and uh Brandon Graham to tag team that guy and get I think that's an advantage squarely uh on the Eagles' side. I think looking at the the 49ers offensive line you go okay, well the tackles are good and their interior line is a little shaky. They can win on the interior, but you know, I think you're just kind of giving the uh the edges to the Niners. No, 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 no. I'm not thinking that at all. I think the Eagles have a major advantage with uh, Radek and and Graham against McGlinchey. And I, and like I said, I don't think that Trent Williams against uh, Josh sweat is just, you know, put it in the, put it in the bank. Like that's Trent Williams all day. I think Josh sweat can maybe win, uh, you know, some, some matches, some matchups there as well.
1: Right. I think, you know, Trent Williams will win the day, but like you said, it could be just that one rep that like, could be, you know, costly strip sack and boom, done. Uh, I think Redick is being underrated, obviously, nationally. We talked about that from the defensive player of the year standpoint. But even maybe even by Eagle fans, not that like they don't appreciate him, but like he's at a different level right now. Like, yes. Is, like, and the fact that he didn't even have to play 40 snaps against the like he's coming off a light workload relatively. And he's also coming off of extra rest in terms of having the first round by and extra rest in terms of getting another day before this game, having played on Saturday last week. He's fresh. He's ready to go. He's unstoppable. Like he only, he only quote unquote had one and a half sacks against the giants, but he could have had more. Like he was, he was, again, I I said he had seven total pressures on like 24 pass rush snaps in that game, like crazy efficiency. Uh And that's the same amount of pressures that the giants had as a team collectively out of the 19 players they had played on defense. Like he, he's performing at a different level right now. And because of his specific skill set, whereas someone maybe, by contrast, like Brandon Graham, power rusher, might not be able to, you know, BG kind of, if there's a flaw with BG, he can kind of get, you know, near the quarterback, but he's not necessarily the best guy, like on his feet running around in space. Like Hassan okay. Reddick is, you know, is Change more Change of direction and such, a, yeah. Yeah, that linebacker profile where yeah. I, I think I trust um, Hassan Reddick specifically to kind of deal with how – Purdy's going to maneuver around and run around back there because I think he has the ability to chase him down more so than, again, someone maybe like Brandon Graham would. So I think that's a good matchup in the Eagle Saver. And yeah, I think to a bigger point, I think there's something too Hassan Reddick feeling disrespected and tweeting out like, man, this ish has to stop. Uh, <laughs> I think it's crazy to, to think about for an Eagles team that is the one seed in 114 games and and they're in getting, like, finalist, you know, stuff for these awards. But I think they feel disrespected to some extent. Yeah. And I still think that's and that's good. And it's going to keep them motivated. So, um, yeah, it's another battle I feel good about. One that I don't feel good about uh, is the – I think it's going to kind of be a game of opposites in that the Eagles will be looking to attack the 49ers' boundary as opposed to the middle of the field. The 49ers yeah. are stronger over the middle with Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw – And um, Mm -hmm. what's the safety's name? Hafenga? Yeah. Um, And, you know, stronger there as opposed to the other side around. I think the Eagles, you know, more weaker over the middle with the linebackers. I expect Kyle Shanahan to go after those guys. Sure. TJ Edwards, guys white all day. Not that the safeties are necessarily weak points, but you'd rather, you know, you're targeting them more than you're targeting James Bradbury and Darius Slay at this point.
2: And also, uh, we mentioned this on the last podcast too. It was actually like the first takeaway that we have on, on on this Niners team, but probably it's worth mentioning here in case you didn't hear that episode and you're like, "Well, how can you miss this?" But <laughs> the Niners have guys that get yard, that gets that get yards after the catch, they like lead the league, like maybe no other team in the NFL. I mean, yeah. just just the personnel they have: Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon i u Christian McCaffrey. They are all yak monster. So there have been some games this year where, and they've corrected it some uh, during the back half of the season, but there were some games earlier in the season where they just did not tackle. Well, Uh, the two games that really stand out to me in that regard were the lions game and the Cardinals game. I think you, I think you, uh, you, you had mentioned a third or fourth game.
1: The well, I know earlier in the year there was a point where they were like PFF's worst graded team in their tackling category. Okay. that the category that's dedicated just to tackling. And it's also attached to all like their missed tackle counter, which is very high. Okay, but now currently it's at 14th. So that's oh, a, is it's it? a, it's okay. A so big they climbed out of a going big hole from worst then, yeah. to 14th. Yeah. Like they've definitely improved in that regard.
2: Still concern of mine that, uh you know, because they're going to complete some passes, uh, obviously, like and they just have to make sure that they flow to the ball and, and get those guys on the ground uh, because that's how they kill. Like, they kill teams with on defense. They kill teams with turnovers and
1: offense. They kill teams that can't tackle. Mm-hmm. All right, Jimmy, let's take another break here, but not before we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors.
2: You can reach Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors at 856-906-9295. Again, if you're looking to buy or sell, your home, or just get like some home comps if uh, you're considering looking to buy or sell your home or whatever. Uh, maybe in the spring. So again, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon. Back after this. Kristen Rocha Road Trail Tours. Road Trail Tours. Road Trail Tours. Kristen Rocha Road Trail Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six
1: nine zero
2: six nine
1: two
2: nine five eight five six nine
1: zero six nine two nine five nine two nine five. back here on b g n radio which jimmy is brought to you we have breaking friends. news uh breaking news
2: the eagle's injury report is out mmm and What's it look like? there are no, uh, no changes. So Lane Johnson and yeah. Avante Maddox were both limited again mm-hmm. on Thursday. Not a
1: surprise. Okay, so BGN Radio brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Four teams, four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook, and official sports betting. Partner of the NFL counting down to Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer. You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings. With each leg, you add up to 100%. Last week, Jimmy, this the BGN same game parlay hit. I will remind you that, and it was at plus seven fifty too. So if you bet ten dollars on that, you got a seventy five dollars. You won thirty million dollars. Wait, seven fifty. I said ten (laughs) dollars. I don't know. Just being goofy. Ten. Well, it was plus seven. So that was you won seventy five dollars. You profited seventy five dollars. So not bad. And I I had like Boston Scott anytime touchdown in there. I had Dallas Scotter over like something like 44 yards and then Eagles win. I should have done Eagles money or sorry, I had Eagles money line. I should have had the spread could have boosted those odds even further. Um, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code five questions. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code five questions. Minimum age and eligibility restriction applies apply. See show notes for details. And then again, you can check out the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter page, at Bleeding Green, for the same game parlay that we will post on Sunday morning, game day morning. And hey, we hit last week. Maybe I can come up with another good parlay this week and then hopefully win you some money. All right, Jimmy, it's time to make our picks against the spread. Before we do, I will reset you with the record. And for the record, we didn't do a preview pod last week. I know that was kind of tough. Um situation well it was a tough I, I was in a tough situation because our good friend stats had just gotten laid off and i didn't really feel like doing one it's kind of a, a tough thing i know it was before an eagles playoff game um but you and i did send our picks to each other for the record just for you know the sake of doing the silly little activity uh, you went two and i you sorry i went two and two you went three and one i am now 42 37 and 1 on the season you were 37 42 and 1 so the yeah. flip the wins and losses <laughs> there and we were both 14 and 4 straight up when we we're picking eagles games Okay. We're going to start with the AFC Championship game, even though that's after the NFC Championship game because we saved the Eagles pick for last. Um, we don't need to get too deep into this one uh, because there's so much Eagles and we're running long and I have to go anyway soon. But um, the Bengals are one-point underdogs in Kansas City. Who you got? Oh, okay.
2: See, I thought it was a pick'em. I love a good pick'em, by the way.
1: Um, I mean, basically gonna go, it
2: is. I'm going to go Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's uh, sort of the not popular pick right now everyone's got burrow fever and rightfully so The dude is a killer uh, and i am very scared uh picking against him but their offensive line and i i guess they played well enough against the uh against the bills in the uh, divisional round got past them but uh they're facing a different team in the chiefs this week that actually can get after the pad their chiefs were number two in the nfl in sacks this year Mm -hmm. to the eagles i think they had 55 which is a very impressive number. It just doesn't look as, this <laughs> doesn't look good next to 70, but 55 is uh, is one hell of a year in terms of team sacks. And I think that group up front is going to give the Bengals offensive line some major problems. And it's going to be crazy in, in Kansas City. I feel like Kansas, you mentioned how you think like a lot of Eagles players and just the team in general may feel a little disrespected. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the Chiefs probably feel that way with the way um, they're calling like Arrowhead Stadium, uh, Burrowhead. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, like uh, they want nothing more than to take this Bengals team and show them that they are still the boss uh, in the AFC. Not that they don't need any more motivation to to win an AFC championship game, but uh, I like the Chiefs at home here with their defensive line over the Bengals offensive line.
1: I will say that everyone taking the Bengals is kind of making me a little nervous. I think yeah, uh, everyone on the BGN staff um except for one check out the bleeding Grenation nation picks on bleeding dot pick the Bengals and I'm like mm, this makes me feel less confident in the Bengals but at the end of the day I mean I said it before the playoffs began What's my ideal path and I think maybe some people would have thought that was weird or disagreed that I picked the Bengals instead of the Chiefs and Mahomes but like again Three zero against this dude, and I, yeah. just, I think he, I think he's going to go four zero. I really, I'm not going to bet against Joe Burrow. You said he's a Mah- killer. Mahomes banged up still too. I mean, I'm, Mahomes is banged I, up, I, but it's not even about that. It's not even yeah. about the Chiefs to me. Like that's not even it. It's just, it's, it's like I was, it's where I was mentally with the Eagles going into the Patriots Super Bowl. It wasn't about, oh, how are they going to beat Brady and Belichick? I didn't care who they played. Like it was just about they are so good, they're going to get it done. And to yeah. me, the Bengals and oh, Burrow specifically, because offensive line sucks who cares like it does somehow it doesn't matter to him because he's so good that he can overcome that kind of stuff that is, that is such a rare kind of win because of quarterback like he that's what an elite quarterback does is what Joe Burrow does like he's gonna win in spite of other things going on negatively around him and I'm just scared to, to bet against him I think there's something real to the Bengals owning the Chiefs and I I, I will rather go down uh believing in Burrow than not so I'll take the okay. Bengals plus one there all right now comes time to the eagles 49ers game i'll go first because i already gave okay. my pick eagles are going to win i feel extremely confident i don't think it's a point of being cocky and underrating the 49ers i think the 49ers are a, a great team by any objective metric they might be better than the eagles in terms of dvoa or epa you know all that kind of stuff point differential or whatever but and i I know the 49ers have won a lot, tough defense. I just, I just don't see Brock Hardy coming into the link and getting it done. There's no precedent for it happening. And I'm not going to bet against precedent in this case. I think the, the ultimate determining factor for me is I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to let this team fail. Um, Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead pride uh, or Burrowhead pride, I guess um, kind of, RJ has made fun of him before cuz at one point on Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL show he said something to the effect of Mahomes refuses to lose which is a very fun thing to throw in Pete's face anytime Mahomes actually <laughs> does lose. Yeah. But like I feel like Jalen Hurts is kind of like that too. Like I feel like he, Jalen Hurts like refuses to lose and I think he's so calm out there and I just believe in that. I think it's to a point of where I'm being reminded of Nick Foles in 20 that that the, the Super Bowl run, where like I can't bet against this guy right now. He's super composed. He's he's going to deliver. I I just I trust in Jalen Hurts to deliver in a really big spot. And some of the cockiness I've seen from like 49ers fans and the media, it's like I don't think you guys are giving the Eagles enough credit. I don't think the line is giving the Eagles enough credit. Why are they Why are they not standard three point favorites? At least they're two and a half point favorites. That the 49ers are a favorite by a slight amount at a neutral field in theory like i don't i don't get it i think the eagles are a great team and the 49ers are going to put up a a, a great effort because they're very good as well but man i i love the eagles in this spot i think they're going to win i think they're going to go to the super bowl i'm going to say they win this game let's say the the over under is 46 and a half i'm going to say they win this game by a score of 24 to 20
2: yeah the way i view this game um I look at the way the Eagles lost some of their games this year, like Washington, they're minus two in turnover differential. And um, the, you know, the commanders did a great job staying on schedule. And then when they got into, you know, short third downs, they converted them and they played good defense in that game. Good enough defense. Anyway, Um, the saints game, of course, you don't have Jalen hurts in that game, obviously, but um, you know, they, they tried to run the hell out of the ball and then they converted enough downs uh, in that game, particularly in the first half, were able to put some points on the board and they played good defense. And that game ended on uh, pick six. Uh, Again, another big turnover. I think that's the 49ers. I think that's the path to victory for the 49ers should the 49ers win. And certainly uh, as a team, they are very well equipped to play that kind of game where they can run the ball, uh, and pick up, you know, short third downs, and of course, with their defense, they can play great defense. So, and you know, get uh, the Eagles to turn the ball over to them. But that's the kind of game plan that the team that knows they aren't as good, you know, kind of implements. And for my money, I think this just this Eagles team is just way more talented from you know from A to Z. Um, I think the Eagles have. Uh, the advantage offensive line versus their defensive line. I think the Eagles have the advantage defensive line versus the 49ers offensive line. And I don't think it's particularly close uh, on either side of the ball. I think the Eagles are significantly better in the trenches. I think they have better receivers a little closer there, but I think they have better receivers. I think they certainly have better corners. Uh, I think that they obviously have uh, the much better quarterback in this matchup, uh, and Jalen Hurts over Brock Purdy. I mean, that's not even a discussion. What are we doing? Like, this just, Eagles team is just so much better than this 49ers team, just when you look at it from a personnel perspective. And you know, I get it. Like, I get why a lot of people are on the 49ers. They've won 12 games in a row, which is something. It's not nothing. It's, you know, do. kind of a big deal to to rattle Eagles off. didn't do that this year. <laughs> 12 games in a row is, like, is crazy. Um, as you mentioned... A lot of those victories are against bad teams. A lot of the Eagles victories were against bad teams. But uh, just when I look at these two teams, when I look at the 49ers pr- particularly, when I really sat down and took a hard look at what they are, um, I came away a lot less impressed than what I was sort of expecting to see. Great team, no doubt, not as good as the Eagles. And that home crowd is going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah, Give me the Eagles and give me them to cover And I actually kind of think it's a comfortable win.
1: Wow. What's your score?
2: I'm going to go 20... 20, It's going to be a weird score.
1: Hmm. 29-16. The 29ers
2: win. No, Uh, that's a win by 13. So I'm going to go 29-17.
1: Okay. Uh, Last thing I'll say, because I forgot to add this point, is that Eagles have a big, big advantage when it comes to game management being I mean, kyle shanahan with the game on the line is going to kick a field goal because that's what he does like he, <laughs> he turns up but he, i mean that's what they do like they're they're very concerned. Yeah. they're going to punt and they're going to kick field goals that's what they're going to do generally i mean maybe they'll be out of character in this one if it's the, if they are smart but i'm saying yeah based on what the precedent is they're going to turtle up in a big moment and 49ers are so good that somehow it doesn't really matter and yeah. obviously Kyle Shanahan's a great offensive mind and I worry again about what he could do to the middle of the Eagles defense but a big fourth down decision could be what decides this game and let's say it's on both sides of the ball too or it's a situation where the 49ers don't go for it and they kick a field goal where they punt or whatever and this and so does go for it like once upon a time Doug Peterson went for it in the Super Bowl and that was huge. Um, I, I think that the Eagles have that kind of edge it is certainly not insignificant. And you could just see from a, like envisioning what's the storyline of this game or what's the storyline of this loss for the 49ers. You could see a scenario where it's like Kyle Shannon, great coach, whatever. But like he choked or he, he turtled up in a big moment. And now yeah. you're you're it's, it's like that what if feeling. And, you know, he's done that before. So that's the last thing I have. All right. Okay. Any final What's thoughts? Your score? did you say your score? Yeah, 24 to 20. Sorry. Okay. Any final uh, thoughts? final
2: thoughts. Uh, hmm. Well, we I get I don't know if this is uh are there popular are there like really well-known San Franciscans because uh, hmm. before the Giants game, you asked me uh who's your most hated who New do who you dislike New Yorker? Like what what New Yorker do you not like?
1: Is I don't there know San a Francisco. San
2: Franciscan that uh I can't. I mean, what famous All the San tech bros are there?
1: <laughs> is Elon Musk count? Can I say him? Yeah, sure. Know. All right, it's a good well, one. He took away
2: your uh, your tweet bot?
1: don't want to talk about it to me. <laughs> it's devastating. It is. I think terrible.
2: he's from I think, I think South Africa claims Elon Musk. Yeah. You know, not not San Francisco.
1: I don't know. Well, he's I don't care where, as far as any city goes, I will still say him. Okay. Um, but now he's going to like ban me from Twitter. So I'm just kidding, Elon. <laughs> just a little prank, little parody.
2: I'm going to go, wait, hold on. I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, is it Cody Ross? That oh, used to kill? yeah. That's a great
1: pick by you. I'm going yeah. Cody Ross. Freaking, oh, I hated, oh man. I I was painting my parents' house at the time during that run. We were listening to the Baumgartner? Games on the radio uh i mean he was i could respect him at least because he was like really good but cody ross was, yeah. like, he was not even a good player he just randomly <laughs> got hot like Bung yeah. gardener is really great he's a, like he can hit for a pitcher which i think is crazy and he's just like a nasty pitcher so i you know i didn't like love him but i respected that he was a great player uh i actually liked brian wilson i know that's an unpopular it was an unpopular take at the time because you know people didn't like his stick as the closer but i thought it was kind of oh fun. right okay yeah the beard and it was it was different i like like a i like a quirky closer especially i think that's like a fun thing unless it's papal bond and that sucks. he's, <laughs> he's not a so qu- he's not he wasn't quirky he he's was just a an jerk. asshole yeah he's <laughs> like a uh the fourth letter of the alphabet if you will um all right my final thought is shout out to esty who i gave a shout out on the last podcast the uh hummus brand i told you about jimmy remember that oh no you're frozen are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. You're back, but I can't hear you anymore. All okay, right. Now oh. I can hear you. All right. But your well, video is delayed. It's
2: your final thought anyway. You don't need to, you don't need,
1: or did you ask me something? Yeah. So anyway, um, I just got a little package from SD. So uh, very excited to get into that. I think they sent me like one of every flavor. Uh, they reached out on Instagram after I did the little plug on the pod. Someone apparently listened to the podcast who's, sibling works at sd in some capacity so shout out oh. i don't know who like listened shout out to you i appreciate you whoever did that and put me in touch with them and uh i will certainly be giving an update on how the flavors went and whatnot and you know follow me on instagram it, for remind
2: little, me what sd is i thought you might have said what a it hummus. I was all right oh right
1: the hummus yeah okay right it's a great okay. hummus brand that i feel like people should try i'm partial to the jalapeno flavor um they have a lot of good flavors um Yeah. So shout out to Esty for coming through the plug. Hey, if you give me free stuff, I will definitely talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) So if you're a company out there and you want to send me something free, I'll I'll talk about it most likely. All right. Uh, That does it for this very extended edition of BGN Radio. Potentially, Jimmy, the last one in theory could be the last preview pod of the season. Hopefully. That is not, not the case. Yeah,
2: hopefully, uh, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I'm supposed to be a big J journalist and, and all that, but uh, I want to go to Arizona. So I, well, yeah, just, I mean, I, put me down. I want the Eagles to win. Objectivity
1: <laughs> is like fake to me in the sense of, I mean, if you're an Eagles writer, you probably, unless you just want to stop working, which okay, yeah, maybe of I course, get that. we want to go to the Super Bowl. But yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's more fun to cover the Super Bowl. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I certainly want to do that as well. We'll have all that coverage for you at bleeding Make sure you stay tuned to that site. phillyvoice.com, for J- Jimmy's work, S- uh, subscribe, rate, review all that good stuff to the bleeding your nation podcast feed. Tell your friends about it. Don't be like Jimmy. And you know, forget to mention it to <laughs> people <that laughs> to a are wide audience. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> Tell everyone, you know about it. We appreciate it. And, uh, five star yeah, re- ratings, reviews, all that, um, right to selling.com. Just code BGN 15 for 15% off wildrangerpet.com. BGN15 for 15% off. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you want to contact this phone number? 856-906-9295. Check out our description here for our social media plugs and whatnot. And we will talk to you after the Eagles beat the 49ers in advance to Super Bowl 57. Goodbye, everybody. bgn